of you. It is great to be back. So many familiar faces, and uh, I appreciate the, the warmth. No one said, oh, no, he's back. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. Now, we'll see if that's still the case when the sermon's over. When you said eight feet, I didn't realize it was this close. I'm not sure. So if I get too close, just go, whoa, and I'll move back towards the center over here. But those of you who remember me before know that I kind of, but I, I think I can do this. I'll do my best to stay within this. Well, it was about um, 14 years ago when it became evident to me and to Tammy that it was time to move on to a new ministry. And I began to reflect on, on what, that, what that would be. And I reflected on my, my previous senior pastor. It had been a church that had gone through, prior to my being there, a very difficult season. And there was a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. Uh, I looked at some of the board meetings, and they were just, I mean, the level of anger was just amazing at, at a church board meeting. And over the, the 11 years I spent with them, I, I learned how to bring peace and healing and wholeness to a congregation. Uh, what Scripture calls shalom. Uh, it's not just a lack of conflict, a lack uh, of uh, enmity, but it is the, the complete wholeness of a relationship. It's health. And so at that point, 14 years ago, I called our district, which is part of the fellowship of churches that we're part of called Convert Southwest. And I, and I told them that I felt called to do another church that had going through a very difficult season and needed someone to come in to bring shalom, to bring healing. And they uh, recommended me to this congregation 14 years ago. Now, I knew the history of this church. The whole district knew the history of this church. There was just like one struggle after another after another. The longest any pastor uh, lasted for the previous 20 years. They didn't make it to three years. When I made it to three years, I thought, yes, we're going to be okay. <laughs> and the first couple of years were spent listening you and I went out to lunch and we talked about, you know, some of the hurt and some of the heartache and some of the pain. Uh, and it was a process. But I, I believe that God has called us, all of us, but maybe God has given me specifically that passion for peacemaking. Well, I was here, as uh, Pastor David said, for 10 years. And it was just a joy to see the transformation that the Spirit of God brought uh, as, as people began to drop the, the, the walls. Because when you're hurt, it's hard to do that. You're, you're afraid you're going you're to get hurt again. And so we began to see those walls. As Jesus does that, he breaks down the walls between us. And there became wholeness and, and health and, and a vitality. And, and we began to build on that in terms of the life of the church with discipleship and teaching and growth and so forth. But without the peace, without the shalom, none of the other things can happen. In fact, as you hear the different pastors talking over the next several weeks, what they will address will not be possible if there's not peace. You can't reach a community if they don't see that you are a peacemaking, peace-maintaining group of people. You can't have community without peace. And you can't move forward to where God wants you to go unless there's peace, unless there's this wholeness, unless there's shalom. 
And so as Pastor David said, this is our topic I have a passion for. I kind of went to that. And when I thought of the other things, I thought about outreach. I thought about community moving forward. They're all important. But I kept going back to this, this area of peacemaking. And then as I looked around in our world today and in our culture, everywhere everything seems to be flying apart. On airplanes, the stewardesses are com complaining about the incivility on the planes. In school board meetings where police have to show up to protect the people who are listening there. In church meetings, where people will, will quit the church, not because there's a doctrinal problem, but because the pastor won't speak on issues that they want him to speak on. I look on Facebook. Well, I'm not on Facebook that much, but I know what's going on there. In the places of work and healthcare, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so, this is my topic this morning, and this is my passion. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ can be the conduit for bringing healing to this country that is so divided because we are called to be peacemakers. Now, the topic of peace is a huge topic. It's over 400 verses have the word peace in it. If I was to quote every one of those, it would take over three hours if I gave 30 seconds per verse. I only have two hours, right? So there's no way I can do that. <laughs> We've already had a snack. We're good, right? Okay. It's a huge topic. We could talk about, and this is important, spiritual peace. And that's what Jesus did as he left heaven. You know, we're going to talk about making every effort to maintain the unity and the peace. Jesus left heaven and dwelt among us and endured the, the uh, degradation and, and the pain of the cross and taking upon himself this, our sins that he could bring peace. Romans chapter eight, uh, 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that foundational spiritual peace is important, but that's not my topic this morning, but I want to lay that. And then there's inner peace. And that's an important part of peace. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he said to his disciples, peace do I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, there's that inner peace that comes through our relationship with God. And it's out of this relationship with God and this inner peace that we then can move into interpersonal peace. The peace between families, between children and their parents, and churches, and friendships, and community, and in our country. Now, there's one other one, of course, there's world peace. We're all for that. But I'm not going to deal with that either. Well, I'm going to try something here new. I've got a Bible app. Let's see if I can get this to work here. If not, I've got my Bible back up here. Okay, here we go. Oops, I lost it. As far as it depends upon you, conquer those who disagree with you. Destroy those who are the others. Dominate those who are different. Oh, no, that's my news feed. I'd better go back to this app over here. Here we go. As far as it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, have peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, as far as it depends on you, let me just give you some of the key passages, because I want you just to have this. By the way, I don't think I'm going to cover everything. 400 verses is way too much. I'm just hoping I can open the door to the value of peacemaking and getting you think about it. But let's, let's take a moment and reflect on what Jesus said about peacemaking, because I think that's a good start. Jesus said, you have heard it said that you are to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven because he caused the sun to rise on the evil and the good, uh, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only those people who are your own people, what are you doing different than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father is perfect. Over in Luke, Jesus said this, but you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And if anyone takes your coat, do not withhold that shirt, your shirt from them. Luke 6, 27 to 28. Well, I'm going to skip down to Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peacemaking is not a passive activity. It's not something that we hope is something that we have to intentionally work at. It has to be a value that we hold. And talking with Pastor David earlier, he explained to me that that is one of the values of the church that, that he has been communicating to the church. And I definitely applaud that. Well, how do we counter what's happening in our world, what's happening in our culture? How do we become countercultural in this area of, of, of peacemaking? Well, first, we need to reject the world's values. We need to reject the cultural values that are so evident today. In Galatians chapter 5, we read this. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Now, there are others than what I put up here, but the ones that I have put up are, are the interpersonal ones where he says this. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions. He's saying that these things, these kinds of things come from our old nature. They're that sinful part of us, that part of us that's in rebellion against God. And we need to reject those. Our culture is highlighting, they're living in them. That's the world we live in. And yet we're called to do just the opposite. So let me, let me look at some of these. I want to look at the first one as fits of rage. The acts of the sinful nature are fits of rage. It's uncontrolled anger. It's anger for the sake of anger. It is reaching out and trying to hurt somebody. 
and we see too much of that in our world today. On the internet, it's everywhere. It's called flaming, where people want to insult each other. And there seems to be this, this freedom that it's okay if, if, if I don't look that person in the eye, I can say anything hurtful thing I want to say, and then people will jump on that. And, and we see it all over the place. And yet James says to us, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Did you see? Notice the three steps that are there. The first thing is to quick to listen. We're going to come back to that. But we will find how to build bridges by being able to listen to others. I did a lot of listening. My first several years here was important. People needed to be heard. I needed to understand what was going on. I needed to go below just the surface level to understand the history. Some of those hurts had gone back 10, 15 years before I came here. But he said, not only says that, but he says, slow to speak. Too often, we listen not to understand, but to debate. We do that with our spouses. We do that with our children. We do that with, you know, our, our friends at work. But to listen and be slow to speak and to really hear. And then he says, finally, slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. Proverbs tells us that an angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered man commits many sins. Someone has said, speak when you're angry and you will make the greatest speech you'll ever regret. We need, we need to control that. We need to realize, and we're going to come back to that, but keep that idea of the anger, the fits of rage. Well, let's move on here. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, and I'm just going to look at one more, uh, and that is dissensions. Dissensions, the word actually means a pulling apart. Rather than pulling together, it's pulling apart. In a word, it's polarization. It's when we treat the other people not as human beings that are, that are made in the image of God and worthy. I'm hearing words in the news and so forth, like calling each other maggots and so forth. That's unacceptable for a follower of Jesus. We hold everybody to have the image of God. Jesus died for them. And if we're going to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they need to see that we love them and that we're instruments of God's peace. There's a story of a man who was on a, a desert island. And finally, after many years, he was rescued. And uh, when the rescuers got there, they noticed that there were three huts. And, and they were amazed that he had survived that long and wondered how the huts fit into that. And, he, and they said, What's, what are the huts? He says, well, that first one's where I live. And uh, they said, well, what about the, that next one? He says, well, that's the church I go to. And then they said, well, what about the third one? And in scowl, he goes, I don't go there anymore. I don't like that church. <laughs> <laughs> Even in churches, the evil one can come in and sow seeds of dissension and there become a party spirit and we see it everywhere and, and, and instead of being people we put, put, put labels on people and we no longer treat them like they're human beings anymore they are whatever label they are and the question I would have is anybody welcome to come to your church my old church 
Would you welcome them? You see, aren't we all sinners saved by grace? Or do we have certain sins they're not, that we don't allow in here, just only the good sins we'll all come in, but not the really bad, bad sins there? This is not easy. I know that. I know that. I have sat down with, with different individuals in really, really tough conversations. And, and Dave, along the way, there, there, are, David, there are some people who did leave, but most people stayed. And I think it was because even though I may not have always agreed with them, they know that they were heard. We sat down, Tammy and I had more than one conversation. We'd go down and sit down with somebody and hear what they were. Well, when I, when I started wearing jeans, that was a big one, you know. Oh, no, pastor's wearing jeans. I'm, I fought that battle for you, okay? <laughs> there are stories that are still going on about the battle of the blue jeans. So... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> How do we handle when someone does slap us on the cheek? You know, I know that, that Jesus uh, would take that literally when he said it, but I think more importantly, we take it metaphorically. Because how many, how many often do we actually, I've never been slapped on my cheek. That's a pretty safe way to take that literally. But figuratively, when someone says something unkind to me, someone puts me down, someone insults me, th that's the kind of slap that most of us experience. And, and, and do we allow them, do we turn the other cheek in love and say, you know, I love you, and I'm willing to listen, I'm willing to learn. That's powerful. Well, I'm going to share with you a story of a, of a pastor by the name of John Perkins. He's an African-American pastor, just an amazing man. He started a church uh, with that church, then he did a Bible institute, a radio program, followed by a health clinic on that property, uh, a co-op, a vocational training center, a recreational center for youth, a tutoring program after school, a housing project, and up to that point, things went well. But then when he organized the African-American community to vote, he crossed the line. And a group of white uh, police officers from Mendenhall, Mississippi, which is where that church and that, that whole compound was located, they beat him up so bad that it took 18 months to recover. Two-thirds of his stomach was cut out in order for him to survive. This is what John wrote. That time, without a doubt, was my deepest crisis of faith. It was time for me to decide if I really did believe what I had so often professed, that only in the love of Christ, not the power of violence, is there any hope for me or the world. I began to see how hate could destroy me. In the end, I had to agree with Dr. King that God wanted us to return good for evil, Love your enemy, Jesus said, and I determined to do it. It's a profound and mysterious truth. Jesus' concept of love overpowering hate. I may not see it in my lifetime, but I know it's true. Because on that bed full of bruises and stitches, God made it true to me. I had a transfusion of hope. Transfusion of hope. And I wouldn't give up. And we were just getting underway in Mendenhall. 
You know, he went on to, to become a great agent of, of peacemaking and reconciliation uh, within this country. He and another gentleman, his name was um, Thomas Torrance, who was a KKK operative, came to know Jesus in, the, in a prison, and the two of them would have been together on the stage bringing reconciliation and peace. Well, let me continue on. Reject factions. That's when we get to the Hatfields and the McCoys. We, we've devolved into a place that we're no longer talking to each other. Some families have gotten to that point. Marriages is called stonewalling, where they have nothing good to say about each other. And, and they've lost that, that sense of community within the family. Some of you, perhaps, as people within your own family, you dread the holidays because that's part of you know, what's going on in your family. It's, big, it's an antagonistic atmosphere, and unfortunately, we see it in this country. I got a cartoon I would like to show you. It's uh, Charlie Brown. I, I love cartoons because somehow they break through on us. And so Linus is saying this. Charlie Brown says that brothers and sisters can learn to get along. He says that they can get along the same way mature adults get along. And he says that adults get along the same way as nations get along. And then he says, at that point, the analogy breaks down. Unfortunately, today, the analogy broke down when adults no longer get along. Kids are watching parents fight each other in anger. And we, as followers of Jesus, we need to reject that culture. And we need to say, we can reach out. We can listen. We can build bridges. We can, and by the way, I want to say, that doesn't mean you agree. It doesn't mean that, that you accept their point of view. It just means you respect them and you're willing to listen. Well, let's continue on. The, number, the next thing I'd like to say on this is we are to be at peace with all men. This comes from later on in, in Galatians where the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm sorry, I don't have my program, David. What time do I have before I have to quit? Oh, we got another hour. Another hour. <laughs> okay, you heard him. When people start leaving, I'll wrap this thing up. I've already given you this verse, but let me repeat the key portion of it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Now, in the Greek, the word everyone is, is a very profound word. It means everyone. There's no exceptions here. Oh, I can be peace with them, them, and them, but that, no, I don't think so. Now, there is an important caveat I need to give. It says, as far as it depends upon you. And I, and I say this because there's possibility that, that somebody in this room is in a relationship that somebody who is physically uh, abusive or someone involved with an alcoholic or something like that. There are exceptions to this where we go to Matthew 18 where there needs to be confrontation and sometimes church discipline. But if there's addiction, adultery, or abuse, then this if it depends upon you becomes back to Matthew 18. And you, there may be the professional felt brought in at that particular point. But aside from those, I'm after giving that caveat, the, the, the pressure's on us as followers of Jesus. He, he, he's saying, I, under, I get what the world is doing. That's what they do. That's what we need to understand. The world doesn't have the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. The world doesn't have the scriptures. We do. And so we're called to live differently. We're not called to, build, to buy into the world's values. We're called to look at Scripture and look into the face of Jesus and say, what would Jesus do? 
I was at, and I'm probably going to get myself in a big trouble. I, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. I may never have been invited. I get going here. But I, I have dinner with a group of guys. They're veterans. I'm a veteran. Uh, and, I, and I know how to use weapons and so forth, and we have a couple of guns at house. Uh, but they were, this is the middle of all the riots are going on. And one of the guys at the table says, if they ever come to my place, I've got my shotgun, and I will take care of them. Now, this is a Christian group of veterans. And I said, yep, that's exactly what Jesus would do. <laughs> Stone silence. Then they said, that's why we invite a preacher to our little, little veterans gathering. <laughs> Maybe to take a step back, what would Jesus do seriously? Well, that's really convicting. I better move on there. Next one, don't judge those outside the church. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Now, here's the thing. I mentioned it a moment ago. They don't have what we have. They don't have the word. They don't have the spirit. They don't have that relationship with God. They're, they're doing what, they, what comes natural to them, and we shouldn't be surprised. You see, and if we try to make them like us, what we end up doing is trying to conform them to our standards rather than allowing the spirit to transform them by the word of God. Say it one more time. Say okay. If we try to make that, okay, this is, this is your, your, uh, your kids, okay, and, and I, we wrestle with this, we wrestle with that, but they're, they're, they're living together, they got a kid, and you think they ought to get married, but they don't want to get married. You force them to get married. They're, uh, they're conforming, but you haven't transformed their values. It's like the little kid in the car who who's, who's keeps standing up, and his mom puts them down, and he gets back up. She sets them down, puts the seatbelt seat on, and says, you stand up one more time, you're going to get a spanking. Little kids like this. I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? When we, the world is going to live the way the world. But the, but the thing is, if we start living like the world, we lose our credibility. Can I get an amen to that? We lose our credibility when we act like the world lives. Oh, that was very convicting. Better move on. The next thing, as far as peacemaking, is humility to be humble. In Ephesians 2, where he says we're to be like Jesus, he says be completely humble and gentle. Now, humility is a huge topic, but I just want to go on one, one topic within that. And that is that none of us are infallible. Okay? You, you, you get a preacher who says, I and I alone will interpret the Bible for you. I know exactly what the Bible says, and I am exactly right that's a scary person there's nobody who has an absolute corner on truth we're going to get to heaven i believe this and we're going to find out that some of our our understanding of scripture is not what god meant when he when he wrote had that written and we're going to find some of our brethren from other uh, christian traditions that they were right and they're wrong we have to have this humility to say maybe i'm wrong Tammy and I liked um, Monk. And I remember Monk. He's a detective. Okay, there's a few old timers. But Monk would always say, I might be wrong, but I'm not. Remember that? He'd always say that. And sometimes I think we as believers say the same thing. I might be wrong, but I'm not. And therefore, if we have that attitude, then we're not willing to listen. 
And going back to James, he says that we're to be quick to listen. You know, Tammy and I were up at La Tahoe. I'm going to give you your, your $5 for this illustration. But she did something very powerful. We, we mostly agree on, on most of the political issues, but there's, there's, you know, sometimes there's, there's some nuances where we're different. And, and while we're sitting there in the morning and with our tea and coffee, and she says to me, why don't you explain to me why you hold this position? And it was, okay, <laughs> it was very powerful because she respected me. We, we disagree, and, and I don't know that I moved her at all towards what, I, what my position is. But she asked some very you know, insightful questions, and she made every effort to understand why I, I held the position that I held. And you see, when we do that, there's a tremendous amount of respect that's given there. You know, we're not going to bring anybody to Jesus by yelling and screaming at them. We're not going to bring anybody to Jesus by posting things on our Facebook about who are their tribe and how awful that tribe is and then say, Jesus loves you. They're not going to understand that. Am I getting too, getting too preachy here? I can, I can okay, okay. That, that humility says, I'm listening. I'm really listening. I care enough about you. I got one more cartoon. It's, it's a repeat from what I said earlier, but I like it. Go ahead and put it up there. Charlie Brown says to Snoopy, I hear you're writing a book on theology. He says, I hope you have a good title. Snoopy says, I have the perfect title. Has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? <laughs> now, we're not talking about the fundamentals of our faith, but there's a lot of areas that, that we can talk about and discuss. And that humility basically says, I might be wrong, and I can learn from anybody else, and I'm willing to sit down. Doesn't mean I agree with you. And, and uh, we all have different views and different passions, different things we think important. That's good. But if we can listen to others, we can also understand where they're coming from. Well, let me move on. The next one is to be gentle and respectful. First Peter chapter 3, Peter says this, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Going back to Ephesians 4, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. That, that's a key concept. The idea of, of gentleness is power under control. You see, it, when going back to this idea, can we disagree? Of course we can disagree. Someone has said, if you, if you have the facts, then pound on the facts. If you don't have the facts, pound on the table. <laughs> and there's too much pounding on the table and not enough listening to understand what the facts are. Amen. And gentleness... You know, I, frankly, I've had some really tough conversations along the way during my time that was here. Dave, you should, never mind. But they're really, really tough. And I go into them going, my, you know, the night before, just I'm not going to sleep, I'm not going to sleep, it's going to be okay. But I found that in those tough conversations, it always seemed to work because I think people knew I really cared about them. I was not bringing, but you know, by the way, you probably know this. Whenever you say to somebody, I'd like to meet you in my office, it's over. They're just like, oh no, what did I do? The pastor's calling me into his office. <laughs> and some of you can relate. But people would listen to sometimes very hard things that I had to say. But they, they knew the place that it was coming from. And I tried to go into it with prayer and the spirit working in me and a gentleness and a caring. 
And, and when you have that kind of spirit, then t the tough conversations can take place. Um, our president of our Converged Church has sent out a letter about a week and a half ago dealing with one of the, the many issues that are confronting our country today, and I'm not going to bring up the issue, but his last paragraph, I thought, hit this area of gentleness and respect very, very well. I'd like to quote it to you. May we all respond in a biblical matter to whatever issues arise in our society. We encourage true followers of Jesus to receive this news with great humility and sober-mindedness because of the hardship and hard work to come. The church has a great opportunity to demonstrate the grace, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness of Jesus, as well as to serve our communities with care, comfort, and generosity. May God lead us in our effort to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. You see, our primary mission is to reach out with the love of God and bring people to know Jesus. But if we're not peacemakers, if we are buying into the culture, then we, we undermine and perhaps even destroy our effectiveness in that particular area. Well, let me continue on. I guess I've got a couple more here. Don't demonize. Don't demonize. Uh, in Mark chapter 3, verse 32, it says, The teachers of the law came down from Jerusalem and said, talking about Jesus, He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. They wanted to uh, demonize Jesus and say that He is evil. And when we do that to somebody, we, dis we, we disregard, in fact, we deface the imago dei, the image of God on that person. And that is unforgivable. Well, okay, that's an exaggeration, but that is not good. In Mark 3, if you do that, the Holy Spirit, it is. Okay, the next one is real quickly, don't give in to fear or anger. Don't give in to fear or anger. Ephesians 4, 26 says, in your anger do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I got another cartoon. I love Calvin and Hobbes, and this is probably get me in trouble too, but that's okay. All right. Calvin is saying, I'm writing a fundraising letter. The secret to getting donations is to depict everyone who disagrees with you as the enemy. Then you explain how they're uh, systematically working to destroy everything you hold dear. It's a war of values. A rational discussion is hopeless. Compromise is unthinkable. Our only hope is a well-planned antagonism. We need your money to keep up the fight. And Hobbes says, how cynically unconstructive. And Calvin says, enmity sells. You know what? People have discovered that anger and fear works. It really does. It really does. You put up a headline saying, two people came together in agreement, and no one's going to click on that headline. These people are out to destroy you, and, and boom, you get one million clicks on that one. Anger sells. But friends, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what it is. So can I encourage you to, to develop a spiritual practice of checking your spiritual pulse when you're on the Internet or watching TV or interacting with friends? And ask the question, what is this speaker doing to me? Am I f experiencing the fruit of the Spirit? 
as, as he or she is talking, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? Or am I sensing anger and dissension, polarization? Which way is this going? You see, one way is biblical, and the other way is of the flesh. And so it's good to do that. It's good to stop, because once, once we get into that angry mode, then the, the, the part of our brain that's really thinking, it shuts down. We have, we have dogs now, and that's part of our retirement plan. <laughs> and we have a little dog, she's only like 12 pounds, and she is ferocious. And when we go on walks, her adrenaline is just pumping. I mean, she's just like, where is it? Where is it? Every house, it's like, well, maybe there's an, there's an enemy here. Maybe someone I can attack. You get another draw, a dog mile down the thing, and she's just like, and I'm pulling her. She's only 12 pounds, and she's dragging me down the street there. That's because the adrenaline has hit her, and, and that part of her brain, and she's a sweet dog. And when we say, you know, sit and, and calm, she does, except when the adrenaline hits, and she goes into fight or flight mode, and she is gone. You see, advertisers understand if they want to get you to watch their program. And the internet clicks pay. And they understand that if they can get you to click, they're going to make more money. And so it, 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 I mean, if you're in business and, and you, want to, you want to get uh, make money in it, you know, one of the best ways is either anger or fear. Great, great season of fear. Paul writing in 2 Timothy says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. You see, if we take that moment and check our spiritual pulse, then we can step back from it. And we can say, okay, let me, let me just take a moment here, you know, put it on pause, and, and say, Lord, just fill me with your spirit so that I can listen to this and understand it objectively understand it with biblical perspective on it so I can respond to it in a way that's, that's God-honoring and at the same time it deals with some of the issues of our day. That's probably as uh, convicting as I, 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 I don't know, we should keep going on. Well, what do we do with all this? I have some suggestions along the way. Um, and again, I, I know that I've just kind of opened the door on this topic of peacemaking. I hope that you will uh, pursue it and I know that that's part of uh, Pastor David and, and his heart, and so I'm sure there'll be more on this. But th I hope that it gets you thinking. And if I could say of all the things I would suggest, I would say probably checking your spiritual pulse from time to time. When you're watching that program and you just sense oh, something's going on, just clump. Okay, what are my emotions right now? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it rage? Or is it peace? And is it love? And how would Jesus have me? And then, you know, once, once you get, get back into a proper framework with, with the Spirit, and then listen to it some more. And this will, you know, and, and, but you can be a little more objective and biblical as you watch it. Well, I've got some things, uh, suggestions. Confess and seek forgiveness for any divisive action or, or thoughts. Maybe there's some people that you have be, you know, we, we defriend. That's a new word, defriend somebody. That's, that's a horrible word. Uh, to do it, but have you defriended anybody? Maybe you need to go and build that relationship back. Listen to those that differ from me. Um, again, I don't think any of us have a corner on truth, and we can learn from each other. We can learn from people who have very different views on, on everything. And it, again, it doesn't mean that we're going to end up agreeing with them. We can say, you know, I, I appreciate your viewpoint. I disagree with you. 
but thank you for sharing. That's exactly what Tammy said. She didn't say she disagreed, but she did say thank you for sharing. And I said thank you for listening. Disagree with gentleness and respect. I already said monitor your actions. I did that one. Pray for those who differ with me. And then pray for unity in our families, churches, and country. Well, I'd like to pray a prayer over you. And uh, why don't you stand, and I, I sense it's your tradition that you can receive. It's a blessing. It's uh, actually from a Catholic tradition, but I think it's a very wonderful prayer. It's called the Prayer of, of St. Francis. And I'd like to pray that over you, and, and hopefully you will take this as a prayer of your own. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we received. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is dying that we are born again into eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May God bless you all.